Welcome to Orchestrating Healthcare, the podcast where we tackle the enormous challenge of productivity in healthcare delivery. While this topic hasn't meaningfully improved in decades, things are starting to shift, and we can learn from the successes and game-changing ideas of the industry pioneers who are transforming the way we deliver care. In this episode, Dr. Christy Dempsey and Cindy Gaines discuss rethinking productivity in a staffing crisis. Let's get started. Hello, my name is Cindy Gaines, and um, I just want to introduce myself quickly. Um, I am first and foremost a nurse, and I'm very proud of that. I'm also the Chief Clinical Transformation Officer for Lumion, and I've um, been in healthcare for 35 years, and I've spent the majority of that, about 32, on the health system side. Someone asked me what I'm passionate about, and what I'm passionate about, and it sounds so um, traditional and passionate about patient care and providing the best care um, possible, but um, in many ways, as I've left the bedside and got into leadership that's really focused on how to support the teams, how to support our nurses and our caregivers in providing that that great care that they do in the easiest manner possible. Our world has pretty, become pretty complex in healthcare and, and how do we support the teams to do that um, the best they can without it being a burden to them. And that's really become my focus as a nursing leader, a quality leader and a transformation leader. So that's a little bit about who I am. And I'm pleased to um, introduce Christy here. Um, Dr. Christy Dempsey is gonna be um, my partner in crime today. And um, she really is a visionary in healthcare and most recently served as the chief nursing officer for Prescani and someone that I've um, come to know over the past year. And it's just a real pleasure to spend some time with her today talking about the current nursing shortage, the staffing shortage, and the challenges that we have with so much focus on how do we improve and increase productivity. So um, thank you, Christy, for joining me. Thank you, Cindy. It's a pleasure. We have a lot to talk about. Healthcare is complex, and there are so many opportunities for improvement uh, over the, with COVID. We've learned so much, and I, and I think taking that knowledge that we've learned and applying it to move us forward rather than going backward is where we really need to go. I couldn't agree more. You know, it, you know we're here talking about productivity, and I, I just say that because in some ways it's a bit of a, a four-letter word in nursing. Um, it, it has been used to talk about how to, you know, um, decrease staffing, you know, it's always been this mathematical equation between how many nurses do you have, how many patients do you have, and there's a productivity target you're trying to hit. And yeah, I think what we're really talking about today is productivity in a very different way. And I really wanted to get your thoughts on that as opposed to kind of the angst that it tends to be our initial reaction to it. I think you're absolutely right. Um, if you talk to direct care nurses, people who are at the bedside, and you use the word productivity, you've lost them because they they it it's like a hammer that we've beaten them over the head with. And I think um, changing the the perception of what productivity is and how it actually could benefit the people at the bedside is really where we, we need to change that paradigm. I hate to use that word, but that paradigm of, of productivity as a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and it's not just a budgetary term, but that's the way we've used it. Yeah. That's the way finance introduced it to us. Right. And I think it's how do we 
redefine that as as clinical leaders to be um, how do we how do we help support our teams in providing that quality care, providing that best care possible with limited staffing? I mean, we we've seen we've known for years there's a nursing shortage coming. We've been preparing for it. We've seen our nurses age. We've seen that there's uh, more going out of the out of the uh, industry than coming in. Um, and I think the pandemic kind of launched us much more quickly into a crisis that we've been planning for, but weren't expecting to hit it this soon with so many people stepping away. And kind of the place we find ourselves is we still have as many patients to take care of, but we really don't have as many staff as we used to. So it's not about how to get you to do more things, but how do we help you to provide that quality care with a shortage? And um, I don't know, I, it's, that's kind of where we are today. And you hear people talking productivity, but I don't, I'm not sure it's the right word. So. I, and I, I, think, I think along with productivity, you hear ratios yes. when we talk about staffing. And I think when you think about patient care in that way, staffing or ratios or productivity, that's a numbers game. How many patients, how many nurses, period, the mm -hmm. end. And there is a lot more that goes into staffing and patient care than simply that numbers game. And I think to be able to take the oodles of data that we have now, we have more data than we've ever had before. And part of the problem is we don't really know how to use all of that data to drive improvement at the bedside. We also have seen, because of COVID, lots of new and innovative care models. Mm -hmm. Because if we keep doing the same thing that we've always done, we're going to keep getting what we got. And that is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. We're not graduating enough nurses, and we have too many nurses who are leaving. So that is not sustainable, which means we have to do something different. And I think that innovation and that difference in that data uh, analysis that helps us drive improvement, not productivity, but yeah. improvement in the care that we provide and the care not only to our patients that we provide, but also to our nurses. Yes, absolutely. It's funny, you, rank, you went right where I was going in my mind. I'm like, <laughs> we're not going to get to where we need to do doing what we do today. That's right. And it's it's in many ways going back and um, redefining how we do nursing and redefining how we do care. You know, over the years, we've just, you know, if something needed to be done, we just gave one more task to somebody to do. And what we've done is we've burdened our teams with things that really don't have anything to do with being a care provider. There, um, there's just a lot that we're doing, a lot of faxing, we're calling and we're mailing, we're chasing. And and um, it's not what we really went into nursing for um, and or what we went into providing being a caregiver, I'll extend that. And it's it's not about doing it exactly what we did today. It's about thinking about it differently. So I couldn't agree more. Right. What's the model? It's not. And what what can we let go of? You know, and it's it's about taking the time to say, what really can we let go of? And that it's really not part. It's not a part of the care that we do. Right. So, and I think that the whole team that we, we, you know, I, I think the definition of team is different 
depending on who you talk to. And I think that when we talk about a team, you know, we have used the word orchestration for um, providing care. And when you think about an orchestra, an orchestra is a lot of different instruments and a lot of different players coming together to create the, the sound that, that we want. And I think we need to think of healthcare in those terms as well. You know, nurses can't do it all. Doctors can't do it all. We have to come together and create that patient and, and caregiver experience yeah. that we want. And adding more and more and more to a nurse's plate is not gonna get us where we need to go. So to your point, instead of adding more and more and more, we need to focus on what can we take away yeah. so that nurses can do what nurses are best able to do and work at the top of their license. And what can we let others do? Or what can we automate that yeah. makes it even better? Yeah. You know that um, I love the idea of the symphony orchestra because it is, they're very different instruments, um, but you need them all to really bring that music to life for people. That's right. And um, so it, I, I, I have to follow up on your automation work, you know, because that's kind of what I do today is work in automation. Um, it's, automation is a scary word for people. Um, it's, it's, people hear automation and they think that a machine's taking over, um, a robot's taking over and doing my care. Um, and it's, um, it's become impersonal or somehow getting, becoming um, between me and the patient. And I just want to just kind of get your view on what does automation mean to you when you hear that? Well, I think you're right. I think people do uh, equate automation with job loss. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to lose my job because a robot's going to come in and do what mm -hmm. I do. Um, I don't think we're ever going to see that in nursing. Um, never say never, but I don't think that's going to happen in nursing because nursing is very much about connection. Mm -hmm. It's not just a task. I've said many times to my student nurses, if you're getting into nursing because you're really good at starting IVs or you're really good at documentation, please don't go into <laughs> nursing because that's not what we do. We do so much more than that. We are the only healthcare professional, and I'm going to say this because I am a proud nurse, the only exactly. healthcare professional who really looks at the whole person. We mm -hmm. talk about holistic care and I'm sorry, but there are no rob robots, at least yet, that I've seen that can do that. So yeah. I'm not too worried about that. But if a robot can help sort pills, I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. If a robot can call maintenance when I have a, a leaky faucet in a room, I'm also all about that. Mm -hmm. So rather than having a registered nurse with all of the education and experience and training that come with being a registered nurse, doesn't have to call maintenance, that's a good day. Exactly, exactly. I was just talking to a company last week and it was like, we we're talking one of the number one complaints was the amount of time nurses spend 
around food delivery, <laughs> things that go wrong with food delivery have nothing to do with being a nurse, um, but they spend enormous amounts of time with food that's late or food that's not right or what do we need to do. It's, it's funny because um, automation um, is, it, I, I agree with you, it's not about um, coming between you and the patient, which is and a lot of our technology has in many ways. Um, when I had my medical group, one of the biggest complaints I'd get from patients was the, the, the nurse or the physicians looking at the computer, not at me. It became almost a physical barrier between the patient and the care provider. And, and I think it's how do we think of automation as being, what are the things I could take off of your list of to-dos, like that phone call or communicating with that department or um, identifying the next thing the patient needs to do and um, maneuvering, coordinating with that next department. How do we um, take those things off of your list to save you those tasks? And which in essence frees you up to spend more time with patients, which is what we're all about in the first place. Right, right. So um, I also want to ask you, going to go back to something you said, and I just want to scratch at that a little bit. And you talked about the data and being data-driven. And um, kind of, uh, we have uh, so much data. You know, it's that data-rich, information-poor um, place that we're in. Um, what are some of the lessons learned that you've seen from data, or how could we be using data? So when I first started at Press Ganey, a data company, right? Mm -hmm. When I first started at Press Ganey, um, there, were, there was a lot of conversation around the score. Mm. And I, I kept trying to help both internally and externally people recognize that the score is like a grade, right? You mm -hmm. don't go to school to major in A's. You mm -hmm. go to school to major as in nursing, right? right. You wanna make an A, because the A tells you the progress that you're making towards your goal to be a nurse, but that's not what you're studying. So rather than a focus on the score, there needs to be a focus on the experience that will take you to the score that you want. So I, I think data is the same way. We can capture all kinds of data. But unless we're actually using that data to drive improvement, then uh -huh. it's just data. You know, there, when I was consulting, I would work with leaders who would look at data at every meeting, but they never did anything with it. So you pretty soon the physicians stop showing up because you're not making any progress. And all you're doing is looking at the data. Well, looking at the data is important, but only because it helps you drive to a goal. If your goal is to look at the data, you got the wrong goal. Yeah. The goal has to be to look at the data as a way to make improvement. You know, that's an interesting thought there because that gets into that outcome measurement versus in-process measures. And we tend to be so focused on the outcome and did we, did we reduce the, the urinary tract infection rate? Did we improve the mammography um, compliance with um, women getting mammographies? We focus on that outcome. 
But the steps to get there, that's those in-process measures that that's we don't spend enough time there of understanding what does it take to get there. And, and sometimes it can be really complicated or it can be really um, takes a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of handoffs of theme to get to that outcome. And we don't do enough time, spend enough time measuring that understanding what's the value add of steps? What are the, even um, how much time does it take? And again, I'm going to go back to the automation theme of, could you automate steps in there to make it easier for the team so that you get to that, you create a more consistent process and um, take a lot of the, um, make it easier for this team to do. So it's that in process versus outcome. And I think we spend a lot of time at the outcome but not understanding what do we need to change in process to get to that. I think it's important that you said that. I wrote an article uh, in the Journal of Nursing Administration around outcomes-based staffing. But here's the thing. You know, right now, we spend a lot of time staffing, mm-hmm. hoping for the right outcome. <laughs> and what we hope need to do is say, it, yeah, and hope's not a strategy, right? <laughs> so. What we need to do is look at the outcome that we want and back into the staffing that will be required to achieve that outcome. And we don't do that. We need to turn staffing on its head to say, maybe it's not a one to four nurse to patient ratio that will provide the outcomes that we want given our the complexity of our patients, the tenure mm-hmm. of our nurses, the, the length of the hallways. Mm-hmm. What is it going to take to achieve the outcomes that we want to achieve? And that is not what we have traditionally done. Mm-hmm. We have done what we've always done, hoping that it would give us the outcome that we want. Boy, isn't that changing productivity on its head? Because it, yes. it starts, and that... It, is where you start to talk about really quality and um, clinical outcomes and the care that we provide. Define what you want to have at the end, and then what are the steps to get there? Where what we do now is we go, it's it's a it's a six to one ratio, and let's hope you get to where we're going to get to with that because you still need to do all those steps. We've just defined how many patients you have to do it for, but it hasn't changed how we do it. So that is totally flopping. I love that. Exactly. What a better way to engage um, caregivers than to say, here's what we want to get to. Let's talk about the steps needed to get there. And then you can understand the staffing needed to support those steps. Exactly. Exactly. And you said one other thing that is very important there. Let's bring in the people who are actually doing the job. You know, I have said many times the people who are doing the job have the answers. Mm-hmm. As leaders, it's up to us to ask them the right questions. Mm-hmm. So if we were able to bring them in and say, these are all the things that are impacting what we do here on our unit, and this is the outcome that we want. So together, let's figure out what it's going to take for us, given all of these factors, to get to where we want to be. And my bet is those people, those leaders who have units like that 
do achieve the outcomes that they want because they're involving the people who actually do the work. It's a high reliability principle. It is. It is. And it works. It works when you get the people involved. And too often we, we represent the people involved, but, and we may have a pretty good perspective of what's going on, but we don't know the, we don't know the day to day. And it's in the day to day that you find out how many times did you have to pick up the phone to do that? You have to, you have to order that. How many times to get that right? Um, You start to see all the places that um, it, you have no idea if you're not involved in the day to day. Right. Right. And how much duplication is out there. Mm -hmm. And, and again, you know, who else could do that? What else could do that? Yeah. Rather than the nurse who needs to be taking care of patients who wants to be taking care of patients. That's why they became nurses. That's why we all became nurses. Yeah. It wasn't to call maintenance to fix a leaky faucet. (laughs) Oh, so, so true. (laughs) So, mm, you know, one of the things I hear, you know, again, it's, it's, it's all the, kind of the buzzwords when, when I walk through conferences, it's, you know, people talk about the productivity and the staffing shortage. And um, one of the things I keep hearing is about, well, people just need to work smarter and um, this will somehow take care of it. And I think it's bigger than that. I think it's, it's bigger than being smarter. And, and I just want to get your thoughts on those buzzwords and working smarter, not harder. And, and how do you approach that? Well, it, you know, I, I think if you told a direct care nurse they need to work harder, um, again, you've lost them yeah. um, because they're working as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, it, you know, when I talk to direct care nurses, um, it's hard right now. It's really, really hard. And um, patients in the hospital are sicker than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there is more technology to understand. Um, there, you know, we're all, we're all struggling right now, um, coming off the pandemic. And by the way, it's not over. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I many, I think a lot of people think that the pandemic is over, but it's not. And we still have people who are really, really sick in the hospital. And the, and we don't have enough people to take care of them. There aren't enough nurses, there aren't enough doctors, um, there aren't enough respiratory therapists. So, and, 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 Mm -hmm. so I I think it's not about working harder. We are going to have to make sure that we are using technology the way that we should. We are allowing decisions to be made by the people who are doing the work and we are optimizing the time that they spend at the bedside. I think it's also in many ways we talk about working smarter. It almost feels a little bit like an insult to the staff when we say we just need you to work smarter. And so somehow right. what they're doing today, it's not That's smart. right. That's right. So I'm going to go back to those buzzwords. We're going to have you work smarter, not harder. So is what I'm doing today stupid? I mean, they just, they, they, there's this visceral reaction people get to that. 
and it's and I don't think it's about being smarter or working harder, but saying, what could we unburden you with to free you up to take care of the patients? Right. And if we really are honest about what we can unburden people with, there's a lot of things that we could use technology to do instead of the caregiver. Totally agree. And um, and and I think again, it's it's about how do we and and I almost think that's maybe how we need to talk about it going forward is how do we unburden you um, to free you up to take care of the patient, whether it's the patient in front of you at the bedside or the patient in front of you in the office or the patient in front of you at the laboratory. It's it's about those frontline those frontline caregivers who are interacting with their patients every day. We tend That's to think right. about inpatient, but it's about the entire continuum. That's and, exactly right. Um, and how do we engage and, and support that? Right. And the nurses that you retain today are the best recruiters you could ask for. Mm. So focusing on things like that, that help with retention, how can I take things off your plate? How can I help you be involved in decisions about what happens around here? How can we think about things differently and innovate? Those are the things that keep people. And when you keep people, you attract people. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, I think that's a, a really good way to look at this. Mm-hmm. This is about how do you, how do you leverage technology and data to yeah. drive improvement at the bedside, both for the patient and the people who take care of them. Agree completely. Because it's really powerful. I, you know, I've, I was working with an organization recently and one of the things we did was automate their intake process for surgery. And which is traditionally you're calling the patient and asking them a lot of questions that it's a lot of it's in your EMR already. <laughs> And, but we're asking them a lot of questions that they could answer themselves. And we worked with them to engage the patient to answer those questions on behalf of the nurse and even wrote it back into their EMR because we do a lot of transcribing of what people say into the EMR. We've become really good transcriptionists over the years. But what we did was we, we, we automated that process. And do you know that's 30 minutes per patient that they're not spending just asking questions. What they do is they get the results of the questions and then really have a conversation about maybe concerns they see or really meaningful conversations and not just um, transcribing, a, ask a question, transcribe and ask a question. 30 minutes per patient is pretty powerful when you talk about freeing up that time to be able to maybe focus on patients who need more time. And I think that's one of the things I see us do is um, we we tend to create processes and then in our, in our organizations, and then they're created based on the best practice. We've defined it. Here's the best practice workflow. And then we make all the patients move through. We try to make all the patients move through them in the same way. And those darn patients just don't always move through it the same way because they're all different. They come with their own set of baggage, whether that's you know, their um, own social determinants. It's just their own um, comorbidities. They, they don't move through necessarily the same way. And then we struggle to manage the process. And we treat kind of every patient the same way as opposed to managing them in the way they best need to be managed. And that's really hard for staff to do 
in a consistent way if you don't have technology to support that. So yeah. when we talk about automation and we talk about orchestration, um, I think that goes for the manager as well. Mm -hmm. What can we take off the manager's plate? How can yeah. we help the manager utilize their data in a way that drives improvement? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think sometimes as nurse leaders, um, we don't sometimes focus on that nurse manager as the hub in the, yeah. the hub and spoke, right? They, right. I mean, they are, the nurse manager is the hub. And so how do we empower the nurse managers to recognize when their nurses have too much on their plate, yeah. to recognize when they themselves have too much on their plate mm -hmm. and to, to push some of that off that doesn't need to be there and yeah. to let the, let the technology work, let the automation work, let the data drive decisions that will ultimately improve care. Agree completely, agree completely. It is the hardest job right now um, because they are, you know, so often the, the uh, we've been working in crisis for quite a while now. And as you said, the pandemic is not over, um, but um, in during the pandemic, I saw so many leaders, they went back into staffing just to support that. And it's very difficult to be in staffing, to be that nurse leader and, and to do both jobs. And how do we, it, we've gotten to this um, kind of very vicious cycle of it's a, it's emergency it's a, and um, uh, it's, we're, we're in an emergency, I need to be in staffing, but then you almost, you almost become leaderless at that point because we're so focused on the staffing and the leader in this is a really important role. It is. It absolutely is. Uh, not only as as the leader, but also as the role model, yeah. And the 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 team captain. And so you know, when you have a a team without a team captain, everybody's trying to do the right thing. But that orchestration we talked about. I was going to like, go back work. to the symphony. Let's it go back to work. the symphony orchestra. It's, it is. It is. You when you conductor. don't have a conductor, when you don't have a conductor, everybody's yeah. trying to do the best they can, but it doesn't come together. So, so those those leadership positions are really important. Yeah. Um, really and are. and not not something that you can just get by without. Yeah. So often we think of the you know people. We talk about, you know, the physicians, the, the leader, the captain of the team, or, well, the nurse, the nurse is the captain of the team or the orchestra leader, but you, you have teams within teams within teams. And it's not about, um, there's different leaders for different parts of the team, but that, that nurse leader orchestrating um, with her whole team to take care of, to take care of the patients, because it's, it's the nurses working together with the aides, working together with respiratory, whomever else is on that team. So right. Christy, what do you feel like are the takeaways? If, if someone said um, from our conversation today, if they'd be thinking about what would you want them to remember out of all the things we've talked about? That we need to think about productivity differently. We need to engage the people who are at the front line, at the sharp end, taking mm -hmm. care of patients every day. Um, we need to let data drive decisions, but data 
by itself is just data. The mm -hmm. only reason data is important is that it helps us drive the improvement that we want to see. Right. That outcomes should be our goal, but we need to work backward from those outcomes to figure out what it is we have to do to get there. Staffing is a great example. Mm -hmm. so, so those are the things I think that uh, we, and underpinning all of that is that we need people to be able to do the jobs that they were trained for right. at the top of their license or training and figure out how to move things off their plates that aren't that. Right. And, and I think automation, um, realizing, um, using technology in a way that helps people do the job that they were trained and hired to do. Yeah. Rather than all the other stuff. Yeah really using technology as an enabler in this. Enabling, yes. enabling the team to better take care of the patients and give them the attention and the, the care they need by really unburdening them. I'm gonna go back to the unburdening them. And things that really could, don't require their license, don't, that take away from the care they need to give, things that need to be done, but how can we do them in a different way? Right. And really liberate them to take care of the patients. So. That's the kind of innovation that will get us past this crisis. Absolutely. I agree with you completely. It has been such a pleasure having this chat with you today. It's always fun when we talk. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Orchestrating Healthcare series, where we tackle the challenge of productivity in healthcare delivery and learn from the industry pioneers who are transforming the way we deliver care today. For more information about care orchestration, visit www.lumion.com. That's www.lumeon.com.